And the article states, quote, elective circumcision clearly violates that standard. Welcome to Ministry Leaders Anonymous. My name is Chris Bartlett. And I'm Matt Rice, and I hope to provide a moment of sanity during a busy week of ministry. I don't know what Chris is going to do. We've both worked in ministry for over 20 years and have seen just about everything. As damaged as we are, we're ready to bring light to the hurts, hopes, and hungers that every ministry leader has. Okay, guys, I might have learned something this morning. I might not have. I'm really not sure. I'm at the very beginning of what this looks like. But I found something very interesting. And I am diving a little bit into like the truth and the teaching around it. I had never heard that it was morally impermissible to circumcise your child. So now I've heard this, that it's, that there are, yeah, that there's teachings around this. So there's some teachings and thought around this. And so it's like, holy moly, what does this mean? What does that look like? Chris, what are you, you're making a symbol at me. What are you doing? I think my game. <laughs> you don't want me, you don't want to describe the symbol? I, I think, <laughs> I think the game has turned up. So I had to move my hand and make a quiet noise to see how oh. my game was. So noise. thanks for distracting me. You could have done that out of the screen. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> Anyway, so I found that out this morning, and so then I went and did a little research or whatever, and then I sat down with some of our missionaries at Ablaze and had this like long 15-minute discussion about, well, is it a mutilation, yada, 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 all this stuff. And so then I brought it to Chris this morning um, as we're talking about this podcast, and is like it, it really highlighted some thoughts that I had with regards to, there have been different times in my ministry career where I've learned something new about what the church taught that really challenged what I believed, what I thought before that point, right? Like even like for me, an example would be, oh my gosh, we just talked about it. You just did that on YouTube, Chris. <laughs> this is Contraception. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, mean, contraception. There it is. So I was trying the, to get you to it. So for a big uh, chunk of at the beginning of my married life, I like I know that probably in the back of my mind I knew contraception was not good or whatever, but I had heard other Catholics, prominent Catholics, who taught the opposite, and so I was definitely confused about that teaching and whatnot. Until we learned more about right. it, we learned more about theology of the body, and and it really changed the way that that I understood that teaching. Or whatever and so there like that's one of the things we want to talk about a little bit like in the life of a ministry leader what does that look like and then we also kind of wanted just to talk about this whole idea of circumcision um and that being something that's considered morally wrong but we'll uh and do we want to talk about that first sure cool so the argument goes that the catechism says that amputations and mutilations performed on innocent people without therapeutic reasons are against moral law Right, and that circumcision is a mutilation, and it's not necessary. It's not therapeutic. There's no medical reason to do so. That's been, you know, already proven. So then, it is morally impermissible to do so. So, a couple of things. First of all, um, Matt and I are both parents of boys, and we have chosen that route um, for for our boys. At the time, the decision was made. It was our understanding 
that there was something that went with cleanliness and to avoid infection and things like that, that there was a benefit of circumcision that would, would be for the child's health um, down the road. Is that fair to say? Sure, absolutely. Or there was no, I, I didn't know that there was anything even to consider um, it being morally wrong or morally whatever, that there, that there was even a question on that being immoral. Sure. And so now the question becomes, um, was that action immoral? I mean, the answer to that is obviously no. But the act was immoral. We don't know. Like, honestly, I'm not going to say I know that yet. Based on what this one page says, sure. But so this is the other point that I want to make is when we're faced with kind of new information that challenges us, what do we do? Do we dig in our heels and say, no, 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 you're wrong. I'm right. Or do we just kind of bow over and say, oh, I guess they're right. I'm wrong. Or do we actually investigate and look into it to learn more about it? And, and, that, and that's, what, that's the phase I'm like for this one. That's the phase I'm in right, right. now. That, that's where it becomes so challenging in today's in the modern era is because you can find a theologian that says just about anything. You can find a politician that says just about anything. And so you Absolutely. can echo chamber yourself into not moving an inch in regards to it. Which is why yep. some of the conversations, to go back to a couple episodes ago, on racism that have occurred in the church and different things like that, you see a ton of different opinions. And then it's like, well, why don't we go to what the church teaches? And the church teaches mm -hmm. that racism is sin. Now let's go to the church documents. And you can see documents like Open Wide Your Heart, uh, which is a document released by the USCCB, a pastoral letter. That, that shares some things, and then you can go to all the blog posts and different things like that, the YouTube commentary and stuff like that. But the thing is, is a lot of people were starting with the YouTube commentaries, the different, uh, the different quick posts and things like that on their social media before they went to kind of the root in the church teaching. And so this, yep. th this church teaching that mutilation is uh, not morally permissible, especially on an innocent Right, someone who can't uh, can't choose it on their own or defend themselves uh, in one way or the other. Um, th that's that's a church. That's an element of the church teaching. And then, yeah. then you look at circumcision, and and there's a lot of questions that come up there, right? And and I bet we could find different things to say, different things. Because Pope Pius the Twelfth, it says in this article, which I really appreciate this article for, for sharing that Pope Pius the Twelfth taught that circumcision is morally permissible if it presents a disease that cannot be countered another way. And yeah. that's where that, that last line, that, that prepositional phrase, um, we have moved as a society from where, where the society was when Pope Pius XII was the Pope. And now we have to question, the same with kind of the, the death penalty and, and the conversations about that on how Pope Francis had said, uh, there's not a, a, a piece of civilized society left in the world where the death penalty would be permitted, you know? Um, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So, like, this is one article that I found, you know, and I haven't gone digging around, you know, and I think while getting in an echo chamber, trying to find someone that, like, agrees with you or whatever is definitely wrong. I think it's good for someone that has a well-formed conscience, which I, I pray I do, to look at all of the different options and say, yeah, well, that that argument doesn't hold water. That argument's BS. I can tell that this is, you know, backed on something just different, you know, not backed on church teaching. It doesn't jive with church, church 
church teaching. Everything that I've read so far about it, it's like, like, and it, and it's kind of that's why it's challenging. It's like this is this actually makes sense. Like it actually makes sense. Like the, theology of the body wise, why you wouldn't do this? Why this wouldn't be okay? And it lines up with a lot of other things that are elective procedures that people choose to do that are immoral and, and you shouldn't do them. However, there are medical reasons why they might need to be done in certain situations. Right? For example, breast augmentation, breast reduction, different things like that, that if you have cancer and you lose a part of your body, you can replace that part, right? You're right. Yeah. What about where you stretch out your earlobes using um, using different <laughs> gauges? No idea. That's a good question. Yeah. At what point is it uh, a mutilation and in what society and what culture or stuff like that? No idea. And what about that verse in Leviticus that says you shall not tattoo your body, says the Lord? Yeah, absolutely. And I've seen other, you know, other things on with regards to tattoos that have to do with the with the exterior perception and the interior disposition. Like if if it if you put like something that is blasphemous in text on your body, regardless of your intention, if your intention was, I don't know, to remind you never to be blasphemous, <laughs> then like that would be a good intention, but the exterior perception is negative. Right. And so those two have to balance each other out. If you're getting a tattoo to like to mutilate your body, you're going to like say, screw you, God, I'm going to mess up this body. That's the intention is wrong. No matter what you put on right. your body, you could put a cross on your body. The intention's wrong. Right. That's that's not good. Right. If the intention is to, to glorify God and to strengthen your faith and the external perception is is good and right and, and uplifting, then that's what I had read that it was OK. But who like that gets very relativistic i think really quickly you know i because in certain cultures tattoos are definitely regardless of what it is it's seen as scandalous right right and 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 so the old testament says one thing on tattoos but it also says we shouldn't cut our hair and the old testament also says in genesis 17 that every male child shall be circumcised, symbolizing the covenant between God and Abraham. Yep. And then Paul like wrestles with uh, Peter on this and says Gentiles don't have to follow that. Yeah, they're more focused on circumcision of the heart. Circumcise your heart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and so there, there's a tension because <laughs> if it was good enough for Jesus, he's the model. Yeah. And Jesus was circumcised. Sure. He was Jewish. Right. Ish. Are you Jewish? No, I'm not Jewish. But I but I do <laughs> but I do come from a faith that honors our Jewish roots. And maybe that's one way to honor. I'm honoring people here. I don't know if you've looked at this article in particular, but I, there was another one that says you like you like if your reason is faith-based, you can't do it. Like this is like this is not going to get your like, and I forget exactly it's not yeah it's you can't do it for those reasons so anyway it's it's inter interesting I like in I don't know who who all's listening to this but I don't know if this like turns your world upside down like gives you something you've never thought about before or or what but the the whole purpose isn't necessarily to talk about this particular thing the the purpose is to 
to highlight what happens when you learn something new. Um, as a ministry leader, it is your obligation to, to investigate, to learn, and to be adaptable, to be willing to I don't want to, I don't want to say change your opinion, but willing to learn form, um, is form your way. opinion, right? So if, yeah, if your absolutely. position is correct, now we have to be able to form, form it better to be able to defend it and explain it a little bit better. And I think that, that that's a process that we're seeking to model. So this we're using uh, circumcision as a, a metaphor almost. True. Oh, sorry. The topic of learning about circumcision, not the act of circumcision <laughs> as a metaphor, um, because yeah. Because we don't have the definitive answer, right? And and sometimes as ministry leaders, we're put in a spot where we we're pressured to be like everything needs to be very black and white. Tell me the exact, give me the answer. You know, should I do this or should I do this? And I've had teens come to me and and ask me, Hey, Chris, I'm thinking about going to one of these two colleges. Which which college should I go to? Like, there's a there's a, a complete right answer and a complete wrong answer. And I'm like, time out discernment. You always have to choose between two goods, right? Yep. And us yep. kind of wrestling with the truth, sometimes it, it it there's there's aspects, and this is a great example where both could be like the tradition of our faith, our our, our Jewish roots of our faith, or even tradition of our family, right? Um, I I look my like my father, my son looks like me, you know, all those different things, like. They need to be considered, but they need to be weighed out with uh, some of these. Uh, this new information, at least new to us, that's come to light in regards to like, well, wait, if you take away the uh, the fact that it, it could be uh, there, there's a medical benefit, then all of a sudden we have to rethink this whole thing because mm-hmm. that's what made the decision easy is because, oh, there's a medical benefit and family tradition, faith tradition, and you take that away and then you have to re-question the whole thing. Yep, absolutely. And so when, when, whenever this comes up for me and I try to be even, even in, and this actually may be good time, timely as well, like even in the political arena and whatnot, I, I don't just look for things that support my position. This is what you were saying earlier, Chris. I, I try to put myself in, in someone who would hold the other position and what would their counter argument be? What would they say to argue against this and look up information like that? Because as ministry leaders, we're held to a higher standard when we come to a decision, when we come, when we come to learning about things like this, we have to be able to come with like a, a holistic understanding to, uh, to the issue. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it's, it's, it's challenging because we have both chosen in this example, circumcision for our, our boys. Yeah. And, and so absolutely. And I want to defend. And what is my rec? If, if I, if I learned this now, right? Like what is going to be my recommendation to my kids? Like when they have kids for my grandkids, right? You know, it's like, well, now it's, everything changes. And, and not only that, like, like they would have to learn what is, what, like what it's like without that. Does that make sense? Yeah. I have to learn a whole new like thing and they would be learning it with their kids, which is just interesting. Um, so have you been in other situations like this, Chris, where you've like along the way you learned something and you're like, Oh crap, I need to adapt the way I believe or, or learn from this or whatever. Right. Yeah. So one, one example for me was uh, the conversation about Joseph, St. Joseph. Right. And, uh, and some have speculated that he was much older than Mary 
and that he he kind of took Mary in as uh, kind of a, whatever. Anyways, that he was much older, and that's why he wasn't in the Bible later on, and and he was just kind of this this old guy that was kind of doing a favor to this fourteen year old, whatever. Um, and then looking into that, I was like, that totally makes sense. It explains why he's not around in the latter part of the, you know, the gospel narrative. And, uh, and then I looked into it more and it's like, there's actually no historical evidence one way or the other. This is just kind of a speculation. And I embraced it. And at one point it was even taught at a youth ministry Mm. program that I was leading. And I, it, it came to light to my, in my attention that, wait, 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 that's not the church's actual teaching. This is just, some sort of a tradition that that's been carried on for for some um, popular opinion. Or I had whatever. to send out an email yeah. and I had to say this was shared. Um, it is not definitive church teaching. It's speculation from this area. Um, this is what was shared at the youth program, and I want to let you know that that the, the church has not came out clearly out one way or the other on it. And so it did mm-hmm. require some humility to be like, oh, I think I may have uh, I may have embraced something uh, prematurely. And, and shared yep. it as, as truth. And so I need to do my diligence beforehand. Now, can that put a ministry leader in a position to where they're like, oh my gosh, I need to rethink everything before I teach anything. And all of a sudden we become... Second guessing every little thing, all that. No, yep, yep. we have to be yeah. open and honest that like in my journey, at this point in my journey, I shared what was a conviction in my heart. And I yep. did that freely and open with openness to the Holy Spirit. That same yep. Holy Spirit helped bring to light different things that now I have to rediscern one way or the other. Another great example is I struggled with the church's teaching on Mary's role for a while, yeah. a long while. I was yeah. like, it was a, a very Protestant mindset of why why do we have to go through Mary, which we don't have to, uh, but why would we even bother going through Mary when we have a direct line to Jesus, which we do, you know? Um, and, and so I was very almost hostile towards Mary and devotion for quite some time. And, mm. uh, and, and it was a slow change of heart through some investigation, some reading, St. Louis de Montfort, um, True Devotion to Mary. I read that book and it opened up my eyes and it formed my, my, my mind, but also my heart. And, uh, and again, that, that, that didn't require me going back to people and being like, sorry, I never led a rosary on, on this road trip or whatever, because other people would. I still appreciate it as part of our Catholic tradition, but for me personally, yep. I had some resistance to it. Yeah. And I don't know if I've shared this with y'all um, on the same kind of vein that Chris was talking about, but I taught uh, almost every year you know, at our local parish, I teach a, a class on scripture um, to the RCIA and, uh, which is maybe one of the reasons why RCIA is like my favorite comment on, on this podcast. But anyway, the, uh, um, one of the things that I taught was that I, something I found very interesting just in translations, you know, of the scriptures was that in the Protestant Bible, um, it has, when Jesus teaches us the Lord's prayer, it has at the end for the kingdom power and the glory are yours forever. Um, it may be a different wording of it, but that's not in the Catholic Bible. So that section of the Our Father, which we actually say at Mass, is not in the Catholic Bible. So for a long time, you know, I taught that, you know, Protestants were so used to hearing that in Mass before they were not Catholic, right? Does that make sense? So years and years and years ago, 500 years ago, um, that when they went to translate the scripture, they added that in there because they were so used to saying it in Mass or whatever. Um, But the truth of it is, the Catholic Church added that into the mass with the reform in the after Vatican council too. So that little section was put in as a kind of a ecumenical thing 
between Catholics and Protestants. But that still leads me to wonder why in the world is it in Protestant scripture and not in Catholic scripture? I still don't know the answer to that, but there is a difference translationally. And so it like, I had to stop teaching that, you know, I was like, that's an interesting thing that I was teaching for a while and now it's not true. Um, or maybe it is true and I got misinformation from somebody else. And, and, and the neat thing is, is this is something that we as ministry leaders can be confident in. There's an answer to that. There is an yeah. answer, a definitive answer to that. But there's yep. other pieces that are processes, right? So that that's why at the beginning, did, did I say, was the, the action wrong? Yeah, possibly. But was I wrong in choosing circumcision for mm. my son? The answer is no. Morally, yep. I was not culpable because I was doing it with with uh, with a good intention, and uh, you know, kind of the different aspects for a moral act to be right or wrong has a number of different things. But for us to be held accountable or culpable for that reality, um, there was no moral mal malintent or anything like that along the way, yeah. which is which is fascinating to think. But we're called to teach the truth, right? But sometimes the truth is a process, right? You can't just say discernment yep. is definitively this because one person's discernment is going to consider other factors than another person's discernment. And that's why journeying and accompanying people in this whole process uh, of, of just faith formation um, is so vital. But it also means that we have to be vulnerable enough to say that we are on a journey ourselves. And now yeah. we can say, well, I'm no longer sure about this whole circumcision conversation, or I'm no longer sure about what what I held to be true with Saint Joseph, or um, or or the 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 way we say the Our Father at Mass, and and to be able to say that's because I'm on a journey, and this is the new information that I discovered, and they're like, well, but you're the Matt Rice, you have a master's degree in theology, like shouldn't shouldn't you know everything? It's like no, I'm I'm still mm-hmm. learning. No, well, and we need to be okay with that. But on the other side of that. The whole idea that, um, I don't know, you're only culpable for what you know. So that's one thing that we're saying, looking back at your life, you're only culpable uh, for what you actually know to be true or whatever, right? Like knowledge and spiritual growth and all that stuff affects culpability. However, the flip side of that, like trying to remain ignorant, trying to remain stupid is not good. Like, oh, um... I, I know the Catholic Church teaches something about contraception. I'm never going to look it up because then I'll never be held culpable for that. That's not good. That's not right. And that's actually and sinful. Leaders, just to be clear, like <laughs> that is sinful. Not 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 just yeah. uh, artificial contraception, which is a, a, a sinful act. You know what I mean? Um, but being willfully ignorant is a sinful yeah. act. Absolutely. And so that's where like our growth as ministry leaders is essential. Um, Because even I would argue that we can fall into willful ignorance. And you can't say on accident because that's that wouldn't be. um, But just out of laziness, you know, just out of comfort, you know, I can be comfortable where I am. I can be I don't just not, and, and then I'm not learning anything new. If you're not learning as a ministry leader, I think that's willful ignorance. Now that may be a bold statement. I don't know. How do we do that when we don't know what we don't know? It's not like I can say, well, I know all these things, but I'm probably need to polish up on, on this area or something like that. I think that we just keep seeking. Well, and that's what I'm saying. Like if you're not, if you're not reading, if you're not 
meeting with other people, if you're not learning from other people, going to workshops, doing different things like that, if you're if you're if you're not learning, I would I would say that's what that's what you're doing. Chris, everybody on the YouTube video can see you playing with your ears. <laughs> everybody that's listening in their car cannot. I can hear you a lot so. better when I do this. Like your surround sound is amazing. <laughs> So um, I, I, that would just be my encouragement to, to ministry leaders is is always, I mean, and, and we've said this, I think, from the beginning, like always keep learning, right? The exchange of ideas is vital as a ministry leader to remain fresh and relevant. And it's not just in yeah. regards to uh, practice or approaches, but it's also in regards to the core of the faith. Um, and, and the challenge is today, a lot of times we go to the wrong sources to start that exploration. Right. We hear something from someone and then we say, well, that sounds like it aligns with what I believe. And then we keep following that train of thought. And all of a sudden we, we might land at a place because because you're right. When, when I first heard it, when you first told me about it, I dug in my heels and I was like, you're wrong. Right. On the circumcision yeah. thing. I'm like, my instant <laughs> response was to dig in my heels and be defensive. And uh, yep. and, and that's a dangerous place, especially when. um when I was like, well, I don't see in the catechism where it's like, hey, go get your boys circumcised. You know what I mean? I don't see yeah. it there. But but it, there is things against mutilation in the catechism. I'm aware of that. And, and starting to connect the dots, I'm like, oh, gosh. Not, oh, gosh, I'm wrong, but, oh, gosh, this requires further exploration. Yeah, and I'm, I need to look into this more. I'm yeah. five years and three months late to the game. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, yeah. sorry, buddy. I'm 16 years late to the game. <laughs> <laughs> At least for more serious discernment. And whatever, yeah. anyone that's had a baby knows that you're not in the full frame of mind to be able to make these decisions. So make sure it's a part of your birth plan before you go in. But it, it, it's an analogy for a bigger conversation, but I'm just getting tripped up yeah. back again. Um, but I think I think it's important that it's okay to run in different circles where some ideas are being thrown around. But to say, ooh, that's an interesting idea. I don't know if it's church teaching. So I'm going to keep following after someone who's not a theologian, but just someone who might be out in, in the, uh, the the world of Twitter or something like that. Again, go back to the source, go back to the roots. The, the catechism, I, I think, is the best. I'm a huge fan of Ratzinger for providing us the catechism, Pope Benedict XVI now. And the thing is, is the content of the catechism is excellent, but the footnotes all along the way, it points back to scripture, it points back to church documents. So if you're like, this information, this line, or this section of the catechism is just inadequate, there is a richness that the catechism offers that points you back to the Vatican II documents, the church documents, the scripture verses. Like, it's it's unbelievable. So if you haven't explored Catholicism through the catechism, you got to check that thing out. And if you're listening and you have an answer, like, or an argument one side or the other, I, I, I definitely want to hear, you know, because I'm, I'm trying, again, I'm still trying to learn more about this, figure out exactly uh, where I land in this, um, where the church lands, you know, in this, because that's where I land, um, whatever that looks like. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us today. Hopefully this was fun. Hopefully this was entertaining, but it also like uh, provided fodder for us to think about how we deal with like learning and things that we learn and what happens to us when we learn new things. The more you know, send us feedback or enlighten us at mla at ablaze.us and share this podcast with someone. This is kind of an intriguing topic to explore. Here at Ministry Leaders Anonymous, we believe that if you want to go quickly, you go alone. And if you want to go far, we go together. Take some time this week to pray for other ministry leaders to learn something new. And we will see you next time on Ministry Leaders Anonymous. God bless. <laughs>